to continue in this magnificent chapter for the next few weeks and months. And that's because as Christians, we need to be reminded in good times and bad times that we are now in Christ. That is a fundamental reality that we now live in, that when you trust in Christ, you find yourself in Christ. But oftentimes, when we're met with trials, when we're met with hard circumstances, it's incredibly difficult to remember that. When we feel like we just don't quite measure up to our own standards, when we don't measure up to the standards that the world is placing on us, and more importantly, when we just feel like that we're not measuring up to God's standards, and we've just let ourselves down again, and we've let God down again, when we feel isolated, condemned, separated, you know, those times when we feel like we're on that island all by ourselves, we're calling out and we just know nobody here on this earth can hear us. As I said last week, and as I will say right now again, Charles Spurgeon says that this is a glorious chapter. He says that there are two, there's a double blessing here. There's the note of no condemnation, which is what we saw last week. And then this chapter finishes with the note of no separation. So there's bookends. We have no condemnation and no separation. That is a double blessing. And he says, happy are those who partake in this double blessing. So this is what we're going to do through. I've, I've decided this is, this is what I'm going to do. I'd like you to join me if you wouldn't mind, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to sing my way through this chapter. Would you join me? Let's sing our way through this chapter together, note by note, remembering the blessing of being in Christ. And so the note we started out with last week is the note of no condemnation. And on this note, we could live a full life on. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is a verse that we should hang on to with our lives. As I was meditating on that verse, I have to say that this is probably a verse I've quoted to, my, to myself more times than any other piece of Scripture. However, The song doesn't end just with this first sentence. We could live off of this verse, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but why should we when we have 38 more verses to sing? Each building on the next. Each being more encouraging and bringing more comfort than the previous verse. And that's exactly what verse 2 here does. It doesn't weigh us down. It doesn't condemn us. It doesn't tell us this is what you must do to experience freedom and no condemnation. In fact, it tells us what's been done. 
It tells us what's been done in order to experience no condemnation. And so here's the aim of these two verses say, this is the aim of the sermon, that there is no condemnation for us because the Spirit of God sets us free in the Son of God. The Spirit of God sets us free in Christ Jesus. We don't work to experience no condemnation. The Spirit sets us free in Christ. And because of that, we live in this present reality of no condemnation for us. Our world, the evil one, does a great job of condemning us. They, they say, if you want to experience true freedom and no condemnation, then you need to fill in the blank. You need to take deeper breaths. You need to meditate more. You need to give to more charities. You need to march for different causes. You need to do this. You need to live a spotless life. And guess what? Then if you don't agree with me on this or that, then you're guilty for causing the pain and oppression and suffering of this world. See, what Paul is going to do and what we're going to see is he's going to tell us of two principles or two laws, the law of the Spirit and the law of sin. One leads to life and freedom. One leads to death. The first principle is of the Spirit. And the second is sin. So we come to the beginning of this passage. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we need to ask ourselves, what is the therefore, therefore? Well, the therefore is therefore because of what Paul has written in the end of Romans 7. Really, it's a therefore of summarizing the first seven chapters, but more so these last few verses when Paul is saying, I don't do what I want to do, and I do what I don't want to do. I have these two things waging war within my body. And so the only proper response for a normal human being, not one who's filled with the Spirit, is to start condemning themselves. Well, I just need to do more. I need to buckle down. I need to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I need to white-knuckle this. And we start to run through all of the things that we could then do, do to experience freedom from sin. And what Paul is reminding himself isn't all of the things he can do, but what has been done. That there is therefore now no condemnation. There is no guilt. There is no punishment for me, Paul the Apostle. So although I struggle and I still have indwelling sin in my heart, the Apostle Paul is saying, but there is no condemnation for me anymore. There's no more guilt. Sin does not loom over my head. This condemnation flees from me. But how so? There is therefore now. It's such an important word right there. Now. When do we experience no condemnation? 
Do we experience it in five years? Do we experience no condemnation when we have our life finally figured out? When we've finally mastered those sins or addictions? When we finally are financially at a place where we want to be? When we finally have these perfect, <laughs> perfect little children? Is it after we take communion or we go to a person to confess our sins? Is that when we now have no more condemnation? No, Paul says right now, if you are in Christ, you are presently living in the fundamental truth that there is no guilt or condemnation on your life. God does not look at you and condemn you. Right now, you are a free man and a free woman. But how much condemnation? So maybe I don't experience condemnation right now, Max. But how much condemnation do I experience in the future? No condemnation. None. Jesus isn't like a can of Lysol that kills 99.9% .9 of sins. Jesus has taken on all of your sins. All of them. So there's no condemnation for you at this present time. Ray Ortland, he, he's a retired pastor in Nashville. He says it like this, and I think it's summed up greatly, summing up this, this verse right here, is that, is that what Paul is saying right here is good news. Why is this good news? Because he's saying that there is now no condemnation. It's not that there's some type of delayed condemnation. Because delayed condemnation is not good news. Paul right here is giving us good news for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're here this morning and you're weary from your past sins. Or maybe you're burdened and wearied with your present sins. If you are in Christ, then this is the blessing you receive. That God does not look at you as an enemy, but as a son or daughter and pronounces you innocent. But how is that so? It's that we're found in Christ, as Paul says. Not around Christ. Not in the same building as Christ. He's, he's not my, my friend on Facebook type of Christ. He's not somebody that I've followed on Twitter or Instagram uh, uh, type of Christ-like friend. He's not just someone that you talk with once or twice or when things start to go bad type of in Christ. No, no, no. You are found in Christ. Those who experience no condemnation are now found in Christ. That's how you experience no condemnation. Is that you are found in Christ. Everything about you is, is covered in Christ. Your whole being is for Him. Your identity is found in Him. 
You can't get enough of him. You want more of him, not less. You don't try to build up different barriers and stuff different things in different closets and rooms to hide it from him. It's like, I, I, I used this illustration last week, it's like you're standing in a courtroom. This is, this is what this means. You're standing in a courtroom. And every single way that you've broken the law in your life is playing on thousands upon millions of different TV screens. And the judge says, you know, Max, I saw you driving down Gillette Street and you were going 26 and a 25. That's Another sentence. But what happens is the judge's son comes and he says, I will take all of that punishment that was supposed to go to him. I will take it and serve it for him. Let him walk free. We did not convince the judge that we were innocent. There's plenty of evidence to tell us that we are guilty. We didn't plead with the judge. We didn't tell him, well, I know, judge, that there are thousands and millions of th bad things that I did on these television screens, but let's look at the one or two good things that I've done. It doesn't work like that. We can't convince the judge. We can't say, I've given to charities. I've lived a morally good life. We will not get to heaven someday and plead our case. And so this is then the question that Paul is answering. Paul, you say there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. How do I get that? How do I get no condemnation? And he says, in Christ. Well, Paul, how do I get in Christ? What, what do I have to do to get in Christ? This is, this is then what verse 2 is answering for us is that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. How do I get in Christ then, Paul? And here's where we see our two laws or our two principles. The principle of the Spirit, the principle of sin. Now, most commentaries, as I read through this, used these, this, this type of language. This is like a, a principle of the power of the Spirit and a principle of the power of sin. So, so if we think about it like this, the law of nature has certain reactions. So if something happens, there's always a reaction. And this is what Paul is unpacking for us. This is the reaction of the Spirit. This is the reaction of sin. And so we come to the first one, the principle of the power of the Spirit. And what Paul is doing here is just explaining really quickly what the new covenant is. What's the new covenant? Well, this was prophesied all the way back in Ezekiel. That God would give people a new heart. He would cut out their heart of stone and he would replace it with a red-blooded, firmed muscle heart. And that he wouldn't just stop there, but he would give you his spirit to indwell in you. Because the principle of the spirit leads to life. 
Paul puts it this way in the Corinthians. We, we are now ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. Why? Why not of the letter or the law? The Mosaic law. Because the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Or he, he says it like this about the first Adam and second Adam. The first man, Adam, became a living being. So the first Adam brought us living life. We are here because of the first Adam. But the last Adam, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. The power of the spirit brings life. He's been sent to us to help us, but in what way to help us? To have just some type of good religious experience? To help us be better people and live morally good lives? To help us not lust as much or not be as angry or not covet as much? Has the Spirit been sent to us to have some type of mystical awakening to something different? No, the Spirit of God has been sent to us to free us in Christ. This is real spiritual life. A life that is in Christ that frees us from something. The powerful effects of the Holy Spirit is to bring new life in Christ. Christ. And if you are in Christ, this is the present reality that you are now living in. That being in Christ means that the Spirit of God has made you alive. But this isn't anything that you or I have accomplished. It's nothing that we've conjured up on our own. This is the free gift. This isn't something that we've worked for, that we've obtained. You don't gain life in Christ by doing as much as you can. You don't gain it by being impressive in any type of way where God says, I need you on my team. The Spirit of God makes us alive in the Son of God, Christ Jesus. And this is good news for those who are in Christ Jesus because this means that it wasn't a work that you did. It wasn't convincing God why he should give you life. This was a, mirac a miraculous event. Did you know that if you are alive in Christ, you're right now a living, walking miracle? You're a miracle. And Paul reminds us why. 
Because the principle of the spirit of life is to free us in Christ and free us from what? The law of sin and death. The verdict when we are born is that we are guilty. And those who are outside of Christ are guilty. That is the condemnation. The condemnation, the guilt, is sin. What is sin? The wages of sin are death. When you are not in Christ, but you are in sin, you are a slave to sin, therefore you are guilty and under God's just condemnation. The first Adam brought sin into this world, but the second Adam has come to free us. The wages of sin are death, and because the wages of sin are death, we by nature are enemies of God when we are not in Christ. And because we are enemies of God, we are rebels. And because we are rebels of God, there is justice that must be served against God's enemies. This is the condemnation for those who are in sin. Death. Eternal separation from a good and holy and just God. There is no active relationship. There is not even the slightest pulse. It is just a flat line of spiritual death. When Sharice and I were in the NICU, one of the most annoying things to hear were the constant beeps that continued to go on. So many different types of beeps. Tell you what I wanted to do with those beeps. But you know what the beeps do? They let you know that everything's okay. The beeps remind you that the person still has a pulse. You see, but when we are in sin and not in Christ, we are flatlined. There is no pulse. There's just one long beep. That was really good timing. I should have just not said anything. <clears throat> this is the reality, the present reality for those who are in sin. That they are dead. Not just a little dead, but fully, utterly dead. Separated from a good God. Look, we, we can't meditate enough to bring ourselves to life. We, we can't work enough to bring ourselves to life. We can't moralize it enough. We can't out-spiritualize it all. Look, I know we're Midwesterners. We love to get down and work. You ask anybody, how you're doing? I'm doing good this week. I'm a bit tired. Why? Well, work's just been tough. We just love to work. We love to be a people who are, and we can't outwork the sin that's in our lives. To bring spiritual life. The power of sin, as Paul has said in a couple of chapters before this one, has enslaved us. When you are dead in sin, you are a slave to sin, and there is no way to free yourself. You can't use bolt cutters to cut off this chain. You can't saw this chain in half. You can't use the jaws of life to free yourself from sin. It is impossible. And the wages of sin bring death. The power of sin keeps you from everything that is just and beautiful in this life. And in the life to come, it keeps you from God.
Are you outside of Christ? Dead in your sin? Right now, at this moment, you can experience true freedom. True freedom. Not a false type of freedom, but true freedom. You can experience reality, the reality of the true and lasting of no condemnation. Right now, for eternity. The Spirit of God right now will place you free in Christ from sin and death. And all you have to do is trust Jesus. It's no more. It's just trusting Him. It's waking up and saying, Jesus, I trust you. Whatever you have before me today, I trust you. Whatever my life this morning will look like, whatever it will look like at lunch, at dinner, I trust you. I will live for you. I'll give one more warning. Here's the power of sin. What the power of sin does is it kills you from your God-given right to be stewards of God's kingdom. Sin has killed you and left you in a six-foot-deep pit separated from God and your God-given task to worship Him. And so what Paul is saying in this chapter, the way that he's starting this chapter, this magnificent and glorious chapter, is by saying that for those who are in Christ, You are no longer in the pit of sin and death, but have been lifted out. You are no longer condemned, but seen as an heir to the kingdom. And the only way to be free from sin and death is by the power of the Spirit bringing you true life in Christ. The Spirit of God frees us. The Spirit of God frees us from sin and death. He frees us by placing us in Christ. And what that means is that right now, if you have pushed all your chips in on Christ, I mean all of them, then what happens is that God no longer sees you under His just condemnation but instead you are seen as a precious daughter and a treasured son and why is that because he now looks at you like he looks upon christ he looks at you like he looks upon christ because christ because you are are in christ he no longer sees all the sin that you've committed all the people you've lied to cheated out of things He doesn't see your present sin and your your future sin and condemns you, but he sees Jesus Christ's accomplished work on the cross. And so the amazing thing about this freedom is that this 
isn't something that we've done. Look, even the prayer that you prayed wasn't something that could make you in Christ. It was the power of God's Spirit that made you alive in Christ. This is the song of this chapter. This is the song that we're singing right now. This is the song that, Lord willing, week by week, we will continue to sing that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin death so if you're here this morning and you're tired I mean you are just dead beat tired and you keep on being reminded of the guilt and you keep on feeling condemnation you keep on feeling sadness over previous sins, present sins, and you're worrying about future sins, then let me encourage you one more time. If you are in Christ, you have been set free. It's been declared, it's been said, it's been shouted from the heaven tops. You've been freed by the power of the Holy Spirit. God has made you alive in Christ. He has made you an, a new creation. So all of those sins, those horrible mess-ups, those serious boneheaded mistakes, in God's eyes, they do not define you anymore. You no longer are a slave to sin, but a child of God, an heir co-heir to the kingdom. This is how God sees you now when you are in Christ. Let's pray. Father, would you help us live like children of God would you remind us of these two verses that we have been set free in Christ, that we are in Christ, not outside of Christ, but in Christ right now. And if there are those who are being uh, tormented, who are being reminded constantly of their previous sin and how they just don't measure up to you, would you allow this song to be on repeat in their head? Would you remind them how you look at them now? Would you remind them that they are no longer an enemy, but a child? And God, I pray for those whose hearts are far from you, would they see that their sin is causing them to day by day die? 
would you please cause them to repent and trust in you before it is too late? Before they are met with the just condemnation of your wrath. Please, God, please. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.